listeners, welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk. I'm Forrest Collins, the founder of 52 Martinis, the cocktail site, and I'm here to talk to you about cocktailing in the French capital and bring you other small batch drinks and food news from France. Um, As the craft cocktail revival rolls on, something I'm personally seeing more and more of is masterclasses, workshops, events put together by brands uh, to give industry pros like a deeper understanding of their products and how to work with them. And I don't think this is something that we were seeing maybe at the same level 10, 15, or 20 years ago when craft cocktails were kind of resurfacing. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about this and what's going on with industry education. So I invited Didier of La Maison du Whisky into the studio. Hi, Didier. Thanks for joining me. Hi, how you doing, Forrest? I'm great. As you know, I'm, I'm actually drinking in Manhattan and I don't drink cocktails very often when I record, but I am tonight. So it's kind of apropos because, you know, there's some whiskey in there. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about about yourself and what you do? Uh, yeah, sure. So, so I was born in France. I mostly grew up in the States, though. After college, I spent about three years in Japan as an English teacher. So that was kind of like my first steps in education, I guess. And then I really got into wine. So I did a international master in wine management from the OIB, which kind of let me travel around the world for a bit. And um, then I did a couple of short jobs in New York and Germany for, for wine. And I joined Lemons de Whiskey in Paris uh, in 2011 as a brand manager for Nico Whiskey. So that's when I really got into spirits. Uh, so people mainly know our shops, uh, La Maison de Whiskey in Paris, uh, in Singapore as well, and La Reunion, but uh, we're actually mainly an importer and distributor. And so since two years, I'm managing our new uh, Expert Formation department, which I guess translates to experts in education with uh, two other passionate guys. And uh, our purpose is to really kind of develop and centralize the, the knowledge and then share it. So both internally and with our professional customers like retailers or bartenders. It's a very interesting subject. And I think that some of the listeners, they might not really kind of be aware of what the different educational opportunities are that are out there for industry professionals. Can you kind of give them an idea of what that encompasses? I guess for those who want to kind of build a career and get into wine like I did, uh, you've got the schools, uh, like master's programs, um, which are more focused on the business side, like like the OIV, but there's also other schools in, in Dijon and in Bordeaux, for example. Um, and then so for those who are more into the hospitality business, like bartending sommelier, uh, you've got sommelier schools, bartending schools that are really dedicated to that craft. Um, we actually give courses to many of these schools, um, either on about the products or about some of the business angles. Another kind of type of education is the certifications, the most famous being the WSET. So they're really known in the wine business. Um, it's London-based, but they're, they kind of stretch out over the world. And uh, they you know, launched a spirit-specific course not too long ago, uh, which we also teach in Paris, actually, in partnership with a, a school. Uh, and then, of course, you have all the free trainings and master classes, which are offered by, by brands, um, either at events, like at Whiskey Live or Cocktail Spirits, or uh, specific trainings for small groups, which is what we do a lot. So um, either it's through a brand ambassador or you know, directly with blenders or distillers uh, talking about their brand. Um, so that's, you know, there's a lot of storytelling, tastings, obviously, with um, specific technical information about their products. So, you know, it helps bartenders maybe learn more about the products they work with and to have a story to share with their clients. And, uh, you know, you can even learn a few behind the scenes or technical info with, uh, with some of the better guys. Um, then distributors like us at LMDW who have a, a large portfolio, we can also give trainings with a wider view, like on a general category. So like every month back in before the shutdown, we uh, we were giving um, category trainings for bartenders about 
Um, it could be something general like whiskey or rum or gin or sake, uh, or we can get a little bit more specific, like independent bottlings and things like that. But uh, what I've really tried to develop since I kind of took over this um, education approach is uh, I got a trainer certification and try to get more interactive and educational with more you know activities, group debates, things like that. Because usually it's kind of more on a master class basis, what we, we tend to see kind of, um, you know, kind of a lecture style. So I feel like, um, personally, I've seen a lot more uh, about this happening with uh, industry education, and it might just be because there's been a lot more masterclasses happening and a lot more sort of brand-driven um, masterclasses, uh, brand ambassadors sort of getting out into the bars. So so am I am I correct in the, in the uh, my perception that there's kind of more of these things happening? And if so, why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I would say that about 20 years ago or so, maybe drinkers were mainly brand focused. Um, you know, they, they had their brand, they were faithful to their brand, and they didn't really need to get to know too much about how it was made and all that. Um, today's drinkers are a bit more adventurous. Maybe they expect bartenders or sommeliers to surprise them and introduce them to lesser known, more authentic drinks. Um, you know, they, they, they want to know how the production methods affect the taste. So they're they're more into the story, like like you were saying, the craft distilleries and all that. They have a, a nice story to tell, and they usually look to their bartenders or sommeliers to learn about new products, you know, discover new things. So I think that's why the professionals also have to step up their game and know what they're selling. And so they look to the producers or distributors to get this information. If, if they only sell big brands, they don't really have any added value compared to like a supermarket or or things that are cheaper. So. Um, also, from the smaller brands perspective, I think it makes more sense to go out and educate professionals directly rather than trying to, to build a brand directly to consumers uh, through costly advertising campaigns and things like that, which they can't necessarily afford all the time. So we're kind of talking about training experiences around the spirit, around a particular brand, as well are there training experiences that are happening that are increasing as much around hospitality and not just the actual product, but about how to deliver that product to the consumer? Um, I'd say, I mean, you get that in the bartending schools, obviously, and, um, but uh, it's true that brands have maybe mainly placed their product at the heart of their education, which makes sense. I mean, you know, they're, they're doing this to to get their product known, um, talk about how it's made, how to use it in a cocktail, how to talk about it. Um, actually, with with Nico, which I was handling back in the day, um, in Europe, we were actually one of the first to focus on hospitality with uh, the Nika Perfect Serve competition. I was thinking about that actually, specifically with this question, because I do remember that I actually judged a Nika Perfect um, serve competition right. at one point in time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Sorry, I, I think we're in the, no, no, I think we're in like the 11th year. And um, from the beginning, you know, we, we worked with Stan Vaderna, who was kind of Mr. Hospitality and um, really brought this sense of hospitality that he got from Japan, for example. Um, and uh, the whole idea of this, the whole concept of this bartending competition was that it wasn't a cocktail competition, it was a bartending competition. And so the guest experience was at the heart of the contest. So the, the cocktail was actually secondary. So they actually had to just improvise the cocktail on the spot that we didn't ask them to come in with a recipe. And uh, depending on the different roles played out by the judges who are kind of acting like clients, they had to really give them a good experience and, you know, kind of talk to them and find out what they wanted. So it was it was kind of a nice take on it. Um, we, I mean, this has kind of spread maybe to some other 
contest a little bit, but um, again, this attention to hospitality—it's—it's it's getting more traction related with bartenders, I think. But brands tend to stay, stay focused on the product. And I can see why they would. Obviously, they're putting their their resources, uh, financial and human resources, into training bartenders to sell their product. But I do kind of think it could be interesting, just as a side thought of my own, it could be kind of interesting to tie a brand to the idea of hospitality because ultimately people do go to bars to you know feel welcome to feel good it's it's not necessarily just about the product otherwise you could just stay home and drink this whiskey or that whiskey or this product so um so yeah i think it'll be interesting to see how that evolves and i do think that the nika perfect serve has been a a very interesting one to watch and i do think um that you you see a lot of kind of this idea of the perfect serve which is more than just the whiskey although nika is an an, an enjoyable whiskey Mm -hmm. in and of itself So that kind of leads me to my next question. Do brands, bartenders, and consumers, do they benefit equally from this industry education that's happening right now in all of these various levels? Well, I think so. I mean, I hope so. (laughs) I mean, consumers want to know more about what they're drinking, that's for sure. And brands are looking to tell their stories. So I guess the the bartender is kind of the middleman. But uh, I mean, one of the reasons they're in this business to begin with is because they're passionate about drinks. So they're happy to learn as well. And, uh, and, you know, the lucky ones even get to travel to distilleries to learn firsthand. I've I've been lucky enough to accompany some groups to to Japan, to to Haiti for rum, uh, Clairin rum, to Australia. I mean, it's it's usually good fun. So I think uh, everyone benefits uh, at some point so you're also involved in the lab which uh for listeners if you haven't seen it i was actually on the lab for a recent episode on making cocktails at home so i'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can go back and watch it because it was very fun uh and it was um didier and i there where he was asking me questions about how to make cocktails at home but so you're involved with that it's a playground of sorts for mixology experimenting you invite industry personalities in every couple of weeks uh you film short videos on different aspects of cocktail and spirit subjects so tell me a little bit about the videos and kind of what um what they're who they're geared towards and what was the inspiration behind this series yeah so that was good fun wasn't it um usually it was fun i enjoyed it (laughs) the the lab's actually a place which which we opened two years ago and it's next to our shop at La Madeleine. So it's actually connected to the shop, um, you know, and it's, it's dedicated to tastings and like you said, experimentation. Um, the main objective is really kind of education and to be a showcase for Lamazon Whiskey's uh, expertise, which is, which is kind of what we're known for in the business. So the idea to make the YouTube channel was um, to bring the experience, the, the lab experience to a larger public and to reach out beyond Paris. Um, so that's why we decided to do it mainly in English, actually, with uh, with French subtitles, um, in order to reach as many people as possible. Considering we are dealing with a quite niche and expert topics, uh, so each episode covers a topic which could be considered expert topics that go beyond the introductory topics you usually see. So, for example, we won't have an episode on what is bourbon, um, but we will have like what is a mash bill. You know, so you know, for those who know bourbon a little bit uh, already maybe they've heard this term mash bill or something like that and they don't really know what it is uh, or you know what are esters in raw or what is a junmai sake as opposed to a regular sake uh, how to open old collector bottles things like that so it's i guess it's geared at people with already some basic knowledge and our goal is to get them to kind of take that next step by explaining a bit more advanced topics but you know explaining it clearly and simply so to kind of get them to to, to step up and, and move on in their kind of discovery of uh, the finer details and <laughs> nicer things in spirits. 
Yeah, I've watched a few of them, and I also like the fact that, I know this sounds terrible, but that they're not too long, so they're kind of bite-sized bits of information that you can easily take in, so you're not committing to an hour uh, an hour documentary on, you know, what is this particular aspect of spirit. So they're nice, they're concise, they're good. Listeners can watch a few episodes after this. Um, yeah, thanks. We usually try to keep it under 10 minutes. So, uh, and there's always a guest. So, you know, someone who's there to talk about a topic, uh, who's kind of the expert on, on that topic. Well, and, uh, as we, you we had know, a fun one last time. On the... Sorry, I had a hard time. I was so, like, sorry, oh, I want to keep this at eight minutes, eight minutes. And there were so many things I wanted <laughs> to say. So sometimes it's challenging to distill it down to just the most important things to say. But, uh, I think it could be worthwhile. Yeah, that's actually one of the, um, that's actually kind of one of the um, main challenges in education, I think, is because there's so much to say. Uh, you really have to pick the, the main key points and boil it down. So that's even, even when I do trainings, you know, that last a whole day um, where I'm covering whiskey, rum and gin and every category possible, I still have to kind of distill it and pick and choose what to, to bring and uh, kind of synthesize all that into something that you can digest so that's i would say that's one of the hardest challenges yeah i would say well in any kind of sharing information i know that um i've been hired to write um articles about spirits and i've done some writing for drinks international and i would keep sending the um an editor a mail saying i know i need 800 words don't worry i've got like i've got 1500 i'm just trying to get it down to 800 he's like yeah that's the biggest challenge is getting your 1500 words down to 800 that kind of makes sense so i think that's that's always kind of no matter how we're delivering information whether it's you know in videos from the lab or writing or in this podcast um it's kind of you know really just getting it down to these are the most important ideas to get across and even more so even more so in the internet age and uh, our attention spans are much shorter for sure yeah that's something we're seeing as we're as we're talking about this we're in confinement and so i feel like people's attention spans are shorter and it's it's very hard for people to to be sitting still in one place for 24 hours a day with you know with without all the distractions of bars and people and 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 what have you so so it's it's all a very interesting moment to be experiencing this. So we've been talking about opportunities to learn and I feel like there's a lot happening now and I don't get the same kind of probably invitations as different kind of industry professionals do, but I do get a lot of invitations for master classes. I do get a lot, you know, a lot of different kind of Facebook invitations. What's your advice? Like how, how can bartenders and industry professionals facing so many opportunities at the moment, how can you select and prioritize what are the best educational opportunities to, to participate in? Yeah. I mean, especially with the COVID lockdown, I mean, like I was saying in the internet age, um, now it's taken a whole new dimension. There's so many online sessions out there. Uh, everyone's kind of trying to keep in touch. It's hard to keep track. Um, I guess, I mean, even I have trouble following all of them, but my priority is usually to follow the, the people who are actually involved in running the distillery. Uh, you know, I got nothing against brand ambassadors. You know, I was also kind of preaching the word of uh, Nika Whiskey back in the day. Um, and it's good to get people to know your product. But I mean, now that I've, I've reached the stage where I kind of know my, my basics, um, I'm usually looking for people who are really in the distilleries who can give us a little glimpse uh, what happens behind the scene. Um, so I guess I, you know, like for example, we I just followed one with uh, Alexandre Gabriel from Fernand Cognac, uh, Ferrand Cognac. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he was on the show um, a couple of episodes goes, ago. Love Alex Zonk, yeah. Yeah, he always goes really deep into technical details, which, you know, as a geek, I love. So, I mean, it's something usually I'll try to follow. Uh, and on the other hand, someone like Luca Gargano of Vellier, um, he can really kind of challenge your insight on the way you approach rum, for example, uh, by giving some historical context and his kind of strong opinions. So, I mean, I'll try to follow people who are really passionate and they tend to you know, since they're really into their subjects, uh, they will talk about more than their brand and have a more, more global view on the category, uh, which is what I'm looking for personally. I, I think that's a really good point. You've just uh, called out two people who I have a lot of respect for exactly for that reason. Um, I do think it's, it's very interesting to listen to Luca and almost his ideas on kind of recategorizing rum in certain ways. And um, Alexander Alexandre has um, so many interesting things to add to the conversation when it comes to cognac and gin. And so I think that's a very good advice to follow these people who are passionate because I, I do personally feel like I want to get in there and I want to have a dialogue with people who like me, they're interested in spirits and spirits and cocktails and, and they're not necessarily interested in selling me one particular thing, but they're interested in, and mm-hmm. in, in teaching me, but learning at the same time as we all kind of have this dialogue together. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And actually, nice. um, you know, round table, round table events are kind of uh, pretty cool too. I, I watched a couple on the tequila, for example, online with the zoom and uh, to have like different professionals also confront different opinions. Um, that's, that's usually kind of a nice experience too. I, I tend to follow those. And, um, and of course I would recommend our trainings at La Maison de Whiskey <laughs> because mm-hmm. at least uh, the ones we do for the entree, it's usually more category based and we'll talk more about how it's made and all that. Of course there's a tasting, we talk about the brands, but, uh, we, we tend to go a little bit wider also. Well, I think we might've already kind of covered my next question I was going to ask you, which was, uh, you've got some spirit spirits education under your belt already. What kind of education opportunities do you felt feel like have been the most useful in your career? getting you where you are now have is there something else that we haven't talked about that that kind of you feel like was really worthwhile well as far as my education um i would say i mean the wine master that i did definitely gave me um, a nice understanding of how the industry works i think that's important i mean it's good to know about products and how they're made and everything but the fact about knowing you know the difference between um you know a wholesaler a creator um someone who you know, creates their products from scratch, what's a craft, um, what are groups, how they're built. built. That's kind of interesting to to get a good feeling of an understanding of the industry. Um, As far as my product knowledge, that came more from talking directly to distillers or blenders. Um, You know, even just like at a whiskey live, like a a consumer show, you can go up and usually they're there behind a stand serving drinks. So you can talk to them, ask questions. So that's really the best way to get the knowledge straight from the source. also, obviously, books, uh, online sources as well, lots of tasting. But I mean, especially with online sources, you really have to be careful. To, uh, don't trust the first source that you find. Even the good ones, you know, even the good ones have little mistakes here and there. Uh, there's a lot of false information going out out there. So, um, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons also that I worked on a book last year to, to gather all the official information into one one place, one work, um, because there's a lot of you know, I heard this, I heard that, but uh, it's it's hard to find all the right information in one place. Uh, and that's exactly the next thing I want to talk to you about, which is um, the book, the Le Nuancier des Alcools. Um, it's it's an educational book and a tool, and so it came out last year. Can you explain a little bit more about what what that is, how it works, who it's geared towards? 
Yeah, so um, so La Maison de Whisky actually has a long-standing partnership with Flammarion, which is a, a big French editor, uh, publisher. And so um, every year or two, we put out a book, um, and it's someone from La Maison de Whisky who writes it. Um, so my idea, um, when Thierry, the, the big boss, asked me to give some ideas, my approach was to kind of get out of the classic book format for this project and put out something more akin to like a, a tool with uh, spec sheets on every alcoholic drink. So not just spirits, but wine, beers, uh, liquors, liqueurs, um, really cover every category of alcoholic drinks. So um, this way, all the information, starting from the origin, the ingredients, the production method, obviously, aging, all that, and uh, even as far as the service or cocktail recommendations, would all be on basically one page for one category. So um, the nuancier format, which I guess would translate to kind of like a, a flip book or a swatch book, like, like a Pantone, for those who have like the, the color swatch books, um, you can kind of flip through the different um, spec sheets, and it makes it easy to compare categories side by side. So you can see the detailed differences between a scotch and a bourbon, for example. So that, that was kind of the idea behind it, to, to be able to, to compare the differences and really have all the technical information. It's not something that's written with uh, you know, a nice prose or anything. It's really uh, more uh, hard data. And is that something that's available globally? If we, uh, we put a link in the show notes for readers who or for listeners who want to pick one up, it, you can buy it if you're in the U.S. Um, as well as in France? Or? I'm not sure. I think it's it's in French only for the time being. And uh, I mean, it's on Amazon and in the FNAX and all the big shops, but I don't, it's not uh, available outside of France for now. Okay. Um, so what do you think in general about the focus on spirits education in the industry? Do you think this is something that's going to continue to grow? Do you think it's going to plateau? Do you think it's going to give way to another focus? What do you see for its future? Um, I mean, on the consumer end, people are getting more and more curious and kind of hungry, thirsty for knowledge. Uh, but obviously, we'll never have 100% of the population, just like, you know, I'll never care about fashion or sports. Uh, but <laughs> right. um, still, still, you know, professionals will always have to know their stuff for those clients that are curious. Um, and I guess this lockdown period will, it might open the door to, you know, more online or direct consumer education by some brands. That might be something that's um, kind of taking place. Maybe, you know, tasting sample kits will become more common, easier to order. So that's maybe something that we could look to in the, in the future. But um, I mean, this is still kind of more geared to the, the, the geeks, I want to say, like the people who really, yeah. really want to know and follow an hour of uh, one guy talking about his distillery, which isn't the case of everyone. And so um, I guess most people would prefer to casually discuss what they're drinking in a bar with a friendly and knowledgeable bartender. I, th- and I think the main, most people are still kind of following that uh, model. So, um, I mean, who knows, though, because I mean, I think it was in 2016, yeah, Joe cut off their whole uh, education. I think it was masters of whiskey in the u.s right um and maybe these larger brands they maybe they're trying to target this more casual crowd by bypassing, bypassing bartenders or retailers altogether and uh, maybe educating customers directly but uh in more entertaining ways you know you, like with a lot of technology coming out like uh, virtual reality or augmented reality for example you can there's a lot they can do to kind of make education a little more easy uh or casual drinkers. But I mean, I guess our industry is one that is more and more driven by passion. I mean, spirits has become a cultural product like wine, for the, for the at least for the higher end. And so I think those that work in the industry will always expect kind of a hands-on education, uh, enriching discussion with passionate individuals. And that's also part of why we're here. So I don't see that going away. 
Yeah, well, I don't see it going away also because I do think sometimes we forget that there's a lot of learning that goes on behind uh, a spirit, a story, the kind of things we were talking about, not just the tasting, but there is also the tasting. So, uh, mm-hmm. and I do think that there's kind of different, a different way that those things will happen with different levels of consumers. So as you were mentioning, the cocktail geek, I think I could probably sit, you know, I, I actually sat in, um, through a bourbon event this weekend, which was, I didn't sit through the full five and a half hours, but it was a five and a half hour wow. online bourbon event. <laughs> and it was pretty interesting, actually. I was very interested in sort of all of the geeky details. I yeah. also was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about how our drinking habits will change as a result of the lockdowns. And it was talking about consumers who are a little bit um, they're hesitant to go into spirit shops or high-end wine stores because it's intimidating, right? You don't know what to order. You don't know what to do. And now they've suddenly realized that they can order things online and they may never return like these <laughs> sort of like entry level, like consumers, they may never return. Like they will stay with their big brands that they've just realized they can order online and, and those kind of like, uh, purchasing habits will change. So anyway, yeah, which is, very uh, I mean, uh, it's kind of a shame because these are the people that would benefit the most from the kind of, um, the, the people giving you advice in the shops and they could grow in, into people who are more connoisseurs. But, uh, uh, and I um, absolutely agree with that. So what I think is maybe, maybe we need to think about new ways to, well, it's, I'm not telling you how to do your job or anybody else in the spirits <laughs> industry, but you know, maybe that's something that needs to be kept in mind, like ways to reach consumers to make it less intimidating to come into the stores or make it easier mm-hmm. to be educated about new things that make it f- more comfortable to come into the shops. I don't know. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable walking into shops. It can be a little bit scary when you go in and <laughs> somebody says, what kind of whiskey do you want? And like, there's just such a huge, amazing, like enormous world of things and you don't want to get the wrong answer. So it's tough. Yeah. And especially in our shop, we've got like 2000 or more, I think whiskeys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, um, yeah, no. And I think part of that's, that's kind of why we're doing the lab as well to go online and to, to, kind of build up your confidence when you go into the store you'll know what you're talking about a little bit and um and tasting you know we have that whole area is made for tasting as well so when you come in you don't really know you can always trust your palate i think that's the first step once you start to get know what you like then you can kind of start to ask yourself why do i like it what makes it taste this way and look for similar things so uh, there's always that first step that needs to kind of uh, happen and maybe it is online that this first step has to happen yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think there's probably plenty of ways. And I think that trusting your palate is always sound advice. And I think it's hard for people to feel uh, that comfort level in trusting their palate because it's, you know, it's it's such a kind of intimidating, scary yeah. world. But I think that it's it's very sound advice. And I think with that, I'm going to roll us into the cocktail of the episode. So, Didier, did you bring a cocktail for us to share with the listeners? I did. Um, so it's, I'm, you know, I'm usually kind of a fan of the classics in general. Um, you know, you mentioned the old Manhattan. That's one of my go-to's. The old-fashioned uh, dry martini is one of my favorites. Um, one of the lesser-known classics that I really enjoy. Um, so it's it's quite boozy. So watch out. But the Alaska cocktail, um, which I love. It's um, you know it's quite boozy, but at the same time it's nice and refreshing, crisp, uh, and it's very complex despite only two main ingredients, which are three parts gin, one part yellow chartreuse. And just a dash of orange bitters, garnished with a lemon zest. Um, I mean, some recipes have 
chartreuse has fino sherry to kind of tone it down a bit but i like the you know, the original gin and chartreuse kind of bang um and so yeah i'm out of chartreuse at the moment which is probably why i thought of this cocktail i'm really craving it <laughs> Well, I think that's an excellent suggestion, and now I'm very frustrated because I also don't have chartreuse where I am at the house, so um, so it's on my list now for uh, when I do get to go shopping to a spirit shop where I can pick some up. Uh, but the Alaska cocktail is a great one, so I will put the recipe for that in the show notes. And uh, I will say thank you very much for taking the time to come and speak to me. That's pretty much a wrap for this episode. All right, well, thanks a lot for having me. It was good, good fun. And if you're looking for more cocktail and drinks talk between shows, head to our site, 52martinis.com. And if you'd like to carry me around in your pocket, download our iOS app, Paris Cocktails. As always, thank you to today's guests and to you listeners for tuning in or downloading. I'll put links in the show notes to everything we've talked about. Additional thanks to World Radio Paris for editing and production. Thank you to Sun Little for the music that we use. And we'll put links to them as well in the show notes. We always remind you to please drink responsibly. Until next month, cheers. Cheers.